We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. game for once it's been a minute i feel like uh and that's not because we don't like doing these pods in between but i swear to god they've played every other day and we kind of pod every other day so it's just kind of like game one game two game three game four you keep moving next thing you know you're on to the next one finally a four-day little break uh if twitter was any indication I don't know how i don't know what's gonna happen by the time game day comes both fan base is getting a little crazy I'm losing my mind. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the first championship run the Warriors did in 14-15 where, uh, you know, you think you, you think that you think everybody's fans on Twitter, are, you know, nice and stuff during the regular season because there's not much going on. Bam. All of a sudden, everybody's crazy. Everybody's insane. Right. It's like the Joker uh, from the Dark Knight. It's just everybody loses it. <laughs> everybody loses it. Uh, you, you got, Grizz, sure you got Grizz fans out here trying to get Jordan Poole suspended for leaving the bench. Ooh. On the Dylan Brooks, I'm like, do you, you do realize you're you're trying to get a guy suspended because he was worried your player literally just injured one of the Warriors, and he did injure one of the Warriors. But it's just, I, I mean, day two, we got two more days till the game. I mean, technically, you're probably listening this Friday, so one more day till the game. It's getting spicy. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what the playoffs are are made for. I mean, Denver. And Warriors, it was a little too chummy-chummy. You know, Draymond and Jokic were like best friends by the end of the series ended. We knew that this series was going to get chippy. I, I think the guys respect each other, Steph, Chaw, those guys. But uh, I think the Dylan Brooks stuff kind of it, – it, it pretty much made this a series where I, I just I, – <laughs> It made it where I think it's a little uncomfortable now. I think things are a little weird. I think even between Steve Kerr was came out today with some, some really angry quotes. Doubling uh, down on what he said post-game. Yeah. Yep. He's, so he's, he's not backing mad. off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as he should be, right? So it's getting a little... I'm just, we're all excited for game three, Sam. We're going to talk about it on this podcast, but it's getting a little crazy, right? I, like, I don't think this, I don't think this type of, energy is going to be the same for really any other other series if the Warriors end up do advance uh, end up advancing I think this is a one-off Warriors Grizzlies type of type of energy mm. 
you know, if they face this, if they <laughs> face Paul, this, if they face the Suns, you know, Chris Paul's got a way of of getting there too. But yeah, no, last time I feel like we've had this type of energy around the Warriors was um, 2019 against the Rockets um, when KD went down and. I mean, we know those Rockets wanted to beat the Warriors more than anyone. Uh, it's been a minute. It feels good to have them chippy. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I want to read what the quote that Steve Kerr gave um, 30 minutes before us recording this Thursday afternoon. Just play hard. Battle for every loose ball. Battle for every rebound. Compete every possession. And, you know, don't risk a guy's career if he's ahead of the play in transition. That's our mantra. Really fucking snarky. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I I can't blame him. That was. There's been a lot of talks about it, so let's get into it right now. The current report is GP will be evaluated in two weeks. Yep, yep. I I think he's done for the season. Um, I, I think they're holding out hope may, maybe that he comes back. But yeah, I mean, two weeks reevaluate doesn't mean he comes back, right? So so let's be clear. Reevaluate in two weeks. Chris Haynes reported uh, three to five weeks. Two weeks would be game one, eh, probably game two of the next round. Three weeks would be game four to game five, depending on when it starts. Um, I kind of am with you. The odds that he's cleared, if it was his non-shooting arm, I would say he'll play. But, and and maybe he shouldn't. But because it's a shooting arm, I don't know, man. It seems it seems very hard to see a scenario where a guy has that kind of injury to the elbow on the shooting arm and he could play basketball. Because, like, let's be real. I'm sure he can defend. But if you yeah. can't shoot, if you can't, if you can't shoot the ball, you can't be on the court. Period. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they weren't even guarding him because he wouldn't shoot the ball, and he was healthy with two arms. All right, so now it's it's going to be, and he made big shots. So, and I think that's where that's where Kerr's angry. I mean, Kerr's angry because it was a dirty play, but I think part of his anger was that this guy was ready to be a difference maker for this team for the next two rounds if they were going to advance to play Chris Paul. Like, who's going to be the best guy to guard Chris Paul? Who's having an incredible postseason? It's fucking GB two, right? Who else? Or right, Devin so I Booker, think like, he's he's had. Or Book, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's underrated. He's had a lot of success against the Suns this year. The first time they played the Suns, the Suns kind of blew him out. GP didn't play. The second time they played, they put GP out there for twenty five ish minutes, and he made life hell for for Chris Paul. The third time was Christmas. We had no Wiggins, we had no Clay, and we had no uh, Jordan Poole. GP two took Book and CP out of that game. The fourth time they played was the game without Steph Curry that the Warriors barely lost at the end, but we felt pretty good about it. It's like, hey, they battled the Suns to final possession without Steph. Feel pretty good about it. Part of the reason that game was close was because GP is exceptionally good at guarding both of Phoenix's ball handlers. Those guys like to operate just straight pick and roll or ISO. No one's better at guarding that on the Warriors than GP too. He's the best yep. on-ball defender they have. So it sucks. I also think Steve, it's just like, I think GP has been a journeyman who finally found a spot. He was looking to cash out and get like a nice contract this off season. So for this to happen to him, it really sucks, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just all, all levels of terrible. Um, he, in one of his quotes, he even mentioned that a dude's been out, dude's been toiling in the G league for six years for this moment. 
there are not many moments, Sam, like this. Like you don't get many chances to be on the highest level playing against the best players. GP2 was about to make a name for himself because he could guard John Moran. Like that's what this series was going to be about. And, and Th- then that's yeah, yeah, right. And then whatever it was, but like this series was going to be about Gary. Like if if Jordan Poole wasn't playing, like it would have been a good move in theory because GP2 could guard Jaw. Like that was the reason. And I think that's where Kerr's anger. I mean, this is his anger two days after the game, right? Two days after, and he's specifically going out of his way to point this out. I don't think, have we ever seen Steve Kerr this mad about something? I don't, I've never seen it. It's, 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 it's something, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. What else to say? And so, so Dylan Brooks, the NBA officially ruled one game suspension Going to be honest with you, I kind of thought that's what because they did yeah, the Grayson yeah. Allen one, similar yeah. play, uh, and they gave him a one extra game for that. So they they established the precedent. Like honestly, should probably get a little more just because he he threw off the balance of a playoff series. Just like on aggregate, in my opinion, you should probably get more than one game. But I figured he was going to get one game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me read Kerr's quote on that one real quick. Steve goes, "Doesn't matter. Gary's out for the foreseeable future weeks. That's the only thing that matters to us." I mean, losing Dylan Brooks for them, yeah, he's one of their best defenders, and I and I have to believe the Warriors' three perimeter scores are not going to shoot as poorly as they did the last couple of games. So well, losing a guy can so. losing a guy can defend does hurt them in Game Three, but on the other hand, does it really hurt him that much on offense? I would say no. I'd say part of the reason Jaw went off was Dylan Brooks wasn't jacking every shot he got. You know, yeah, they had someone who actually passed him the ball back a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm with you. You know, I, Dylan Brooks does he does average I don't know what 18 points a game. I think I still, so it's not like he'll have good games. So you would think like I think one of these games he's gonna have a decent game. I, I think most most importantly, yeah, it's like it's like the Jay Crowder thing where like yeah. one out of every three games he makes six threes. So I think that's kind of like I think Dylan Brooks is a better player than the role players that they throw out there like Melton and and Zaire Williams. Like those guys are. You know, they might just be bad. They might just be bad because it's going to be a road game. And I Zaire, think Dylan Brooks is a little more. Zaire's classic rookie, by the way. You know, home crowd, hits yeah. four threes, had only hit three in the entire playoffs prior. I don't think he's traveling to chase 18 years old, or sorry, 19 years old, something like that, on the road and, and coming off like that, you know, so. Exactly. I think that's what the words the words are counting on. That and we'll get into the series, but like they're counting on some of those guys, like Jaren, even Jaron Jackson. Like those shots aren't going to fall at Chase. And you would think, Sam, you would think that Stephen Clay might be able to shoot better moving forward because those guys, right? I mean that that's really the the big thing here. So yeah, I mean Dillard Brooks out for a game. Um, it's not really a series changer, but I do think it kind of harps hurts him a little bit and. I mean, we saw Dylan Brooks kind of slide into Clay's knee, right? So, I mean, the less time we see Dylan Brooks, the better for the health of the rest of the Warriors. So, there's that. Just quintessential least. reckless player. Like, yeah. I uh, yeah. do you think he's do you think he's dirty? I mean, the play was dirty. I don't watch yeah. him enough to say if he's a dirty player, but that play on GP two is definitely dirty. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, just he's absolutely the type of guy who does something without thinking, and then afterwards, it's like, what, what, what? You know, like, and. Sometimes it's funny when you take a dumb shot, but like when a guy's like, you have to have a certain level of your brain has to function a little bit to realize like you don't make that play when a guy's airbound. I, I don't think he's making that play again. I'll tell you that like that. That's that's I thought about this and I'm like, if you're Dylan Brooks and you're coming back 
to play. I assure you that same situation happens. He's not doing that again. And I don't mean whether he's dirty or not, but it's like you look at Pat Bev, right? When he injured Russ, you look at Grayson Allen, you look at Marcus Smart, you look at these guys that have been like maybe have a history said to be yeah. yeah, history. Maybe they're not dirty, but they make these reckless plays. You it shows me, it shows me like I guarantee you when Dylan Brooks come back, that's not gonna happen, which tells me like you can actually not make those plays. Like that, like you don't actually have to smack them on the head. That's not part of what you're trying to do. You can stop yourself. I bet you he will move. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, bumping a dude as they're coming off a screen, not the same thing as like hitting a guy from behind raising the hair. It's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what Zaza does, right? Like dream, like those guys, like they'll hit you. Like you get hit a little bit, you lose your wind a little bit. That's different from like, yeah, I like what you're saying. Like, GP2 now has a freaking broken elbow, man. That's that's freaking crazy. crazy. I, f- I feel like, uh, just to, to get to the emotional side of it, this one probably s- sucks for Warriors fans more because I, I feel like GP2 was outside of, you know, the core guys who are going to get statues who, like, are beloved for eternity. Like, Steph, Clay, and Draymond can never play another game again and they're gods to every Warrior fan, right? But I feel like GP2 is, like, kind of the player every fan kind of loved as like the underdog guy who shined through this year for the team, you know, um, kind of embodies like underdog spirit, making the team being impactful in some ways, kind of what Juan was for them the year prior. Right. Yep. yep. And it's just yep. kind of like, you know, I, I feel bad because you knew he was going to be one of their seven or eight key guys against anyone in the playoffs. They knew they could count on him to make plays. I think that as we talk about the series now, I think that will be Jonathan Kaminga's role um, because Andre, the other bit of news is Andre Dahl is going to be out for the series. He's reevaluated in a week, right? So there's no reevaluated after game five. So maybe, but like he's out for a week. So we, yeah. we can't think about him anytime soon. He's done. So I think that role filled by GP2, who's kind of the instant impact um, gravity towards the rim, willing to finish there. I think that's, that's, that's Kaminga, right? I mean, even GP2 is a great finisher at the rim. That's what he's done. He's not scared. And I think that now becomes Jonathan Kaminga's role. Um, and I think that's where Steve Kerr is going to have no choice. There are going to be adjustments that have to be made moving forward. And uh, I think there's nobody better on this team uh, than Jonathan Kaminga. And you've got two home games. We just talked about Zaire Williams playing great at home. I thought Kaminga was good on the road in those two games. Now that he's at home. Uh, he can even be more comfortable as the Warriors version of Sire Williams and making that impact in these next two games. Do you think Steve will go to him? Because I, I do agree with you. When I look at this roster, if I'm looking at a guy to be my point of attack defender and just you know provide athleticism to a lineup that maybe isn't that athletic when you take like GP2 out of it, uh, Kuminga is the best option, but he's young. He's a teenager. He might be the youngest player in the NBA. Do you think Steve Ooh. will trust him? I think he has to. Um, I, I think he has to. Uh, they have no choice uh, but but to. If I mean, he tried Damian Lee. Damian Lee wasn't bad. He wasn't good. Like he was just there, right? Like he he was he didn't really. You're do always going to get effort, and he's going to try yeah. to execute. And I think Kaminga's more of the. Dude, you might get massive impact from him, right? Imagine game two. He comes in. Uh, game three he comes and hits a couple threes. He's the rim runner that they have, the guy at the rim like GP2. Defensively, obviously, he's like, what, 50% of what GP2 is? But he has the length, I think, to bother people the way that GP2 does. So I think there's something there that you want to throw out because 
I mean, like, who he shouldn't go to JTA. He shouldn't go to extended minutes for Damian Lee. Definitely shouldn't be Bielitsa, right? Moses Moody, I think not. He hasn't played in a couple months. So it's, I think with Kaminga, that's the guy you try to stretch his minutes out easily. He has to. I, I also think Kuminga, if you're going to play him on the wing with one responsibility, which is just guard jaw man-to-man, He's got a better chance than most players there. Where where he's going to get exposed is if you're if you're having him play off ball defense and he has to keep track of like a, a Desmond Bain running off of screens. And next thing you know, Kuminga looks like a teenager because things are happening way too fast there. But like we saw it in the regular season when he he would stick Kuminga on like Demar Derozan or various kind of ISO heavy players. Like he's got that in him. He can guard guys one-on-one without fouling, using his length and athleticism yeah. to stay in yeah. front of guys. Um, so you might as well go with that, you know? Put him out there. Have him guard Have him guard jaw one-on-one for certain periods to slow jaw down and kind of make him uncomfortable, you know? the uh, It's not like they're going up against Tim Duncan and, and the big three and Kawhi. It's not like they're going up against LeBron James and Kyrie. It's not, right? It's not like they're going up against even Chris Paul and James Harden in those days. Like, these teams are a far cry. This Memphis team's a very good basketball team, but they are not those teams. Those teams, I would say, Sam, like, I don't know if I would trust Kaminga right against those teams. Uh, But against this Memphis team, it's not like they're playing smart basketball out there, right? It's it's really not. And I just, again, I just say, it's like, it's about what you ask him to do. If you're asking Kuminga to be Andre Godala, like, of course he's not by the ready way, which, to By the do... way, which they're not. By the way, which yeah. they're not when he's on the court. They're not. Yeah. But if you give him a simple assignment, like, granted, it's not an easy to execute assignment. Jaw's hard to stay in front of, but he's got the physical tools to do it. Like, he's far better guarding the ball than he is guarding off ball right now. Not uncommon for a young player either, you know? like Not uncommon for the rest of the Warriors too, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it makes sense. I, I think I agree with you there. I think um, we're going to see more Kuminga and particularly Kuminga on the wing. We'll also see some uh, Wiggins more on the wing. Cause he can guard jaw a little bit. Like we know he can guard point of attack. The problem is if he's guarding point of attack, he's not playing that role next to Draymond in the front court. So it's like one or the other. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Warriors played the two of them plus Draymond plus Steph plus either Poole or Clay for stretches. So like you got your one off, one on ball defender, one athletic slashing wing. Um, obviously your two guards who are going to be your primary offensive guys. And then Draymond yep. who's just the glue holds all together. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think Kerr will start it. I think Kerr is no. going to probably start. Do you think he starts Poole or do you think he starts uh, Looney or Otto? In other words, do you think he goes with the small ball five or he puts in one of his bigs and moves Wiggins back to the three? I could see Otto. I don't know if I can see Looney. I think if I had to rank it, I think it would be Otto. I think it would be Poole. I think he starts at small. I think it goes Otto, and I think it goes Looney. Um, Otto's been special. I mean, he's just been very good so far. Um, and I think he's going to hit a couple big shots at home. So I, I think I could see Otto starting in fourth place. hell out of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors are crushing the Memphis Grizzlies on the offensive rebounding aspect. It's it's crazy to see. Yeah, that's been my – that's the most positive takeaway from the first two games. I thought that was going to be a major weakness for them. Uh, it has not been one at all. They've held their own, you know. Wiggins especially. Wiggins and Otto especially, those two guys. Huge. Totally. Well, Otto's done it all year. Wiggins in the playoff is taking it to another level. He's in athleticism, getting like seven-plus a game. It's been so impressive. The real, real question is – who does Kerr 
I mean, he had a quote today. Who, who does he close with, right? Like, that's the real question now. Uh, because we saw Steve Kerr essentially say, I mean, we're, we're going to get into this now, that death lineup, that new death lineup is struggling. And Kerr essentially said, hey, like, is he surprised? He's like, no, because you guys were the ones that were trying to give nicknames to this lineup when they've only played 10 minutes together. And, you know, I kind of think he's right with that, right? Like this team, this lineup just hasn't played together ever. And so it's not surprising to see them struggle. I guess I'm just curious, will he still close with that lineup? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What a transition, my friend. Yeah, what a transition. I got, I got so I got, I got it on the you. rundown. Um, I got you. So I'm going to throw a couple numbers out here. They've played 11 minutes in two games against Memphis. They have an offensive rating of 83.3, which is Jesus awful. Christ. In the first round, it was 180. Long story short, let's get to like the actual box score numbers. Nine for 24, one for 11 from three, only two trips to the free throw line. This is essentially just it's the equivalent of playing a, a horrendous quarter of basketball, right? Can't hit a shot. And so my question for you is, is it bad offense or are they just missing shots? Because to me, the elephant in the room here is clay was chucking the hell out of the ball the first two games and he couldn't hit anything. And I don't care what the lineup is. If clay is going Oh, for eight, the numbers are going to look bad. You know what I'm saying? Do you think it's a function of them just not hitting shots? Like, do you like the looks they're getting out of this lineup, which is clearly offensively focused? Or 
they're generating crappy shots right now because they don't know how to play together. And, you know, Memphis is kind of funneling them to some stuff. Yeah, probably, honestly, I mean, you could say both, but probably the latter, I would say. Probably the last piece. I I think that they're not, I mean, they are getting open looks, I think, throughout the game. They are. They are. Like, throughout the game, they're getting open looks and they're not hitting them. But in crunch time, I think there's something to be said to just make life easier, which is what they did against Denver. Remember against Denver where Steph just said, hey, I'm just going to take the ball out and just ISO. Now, one of the problems here, I think there's a couple issues with this team right now, is that um, Draymond just can't have the ball. Right, you just can't have Draymond initiate the offense. Memphis, Memphis has that scouted as well it's as any team. So, I mean, it's so easy to scout too. It's just like what? It's just the easiest thing ever. Stop doing that. The other piece you said it, Clay. Just what are we doing here, man? Like you, it's already obvious that when you don't dribble the ball, you don't chuck up bad shots. You're going to get good looks. He literally did it in Denver. He literally was so yeah, good like in Denver doing that. Ago. So it's like it was literally a week ago. Yeah. So what are we doing? And then the other piece is. Um, is what you're saying. It's just they haven't played together. So I think Steph is trying to do this thing where it's like, all right, maybe I get Clay involved, but then Poole's also there. Then it's like, well, Steph, you've got to get your own shot too, right? And then all that kind of happens and the game's moving too fast for these guys and all of a sudden it's just, it's, it goes to shit. So I, I think I would still close with that lineup. All that being said, Sam, I think I trust that lineup in the last eight minutes of game to still close. Uh, the other part is, Draymond, you've just got to play better defense. John Morant, you're just going to let Jaw every single shot, every shot. If you're the best defender in the world, I don't care. You have to figure out how he just doesn't hit every single shot. What are we doing here? The Warriors' defense is great until it comes to the last five minutes of the game, right? Doesn't it seem that way? Like They're awesome, and then, and then the last five minutes comes up, and then all of a sudden it's just all John Morant. Draymond has to figure out the way to figure that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking deeper in it, and it's – for these two specific games, Clay is the one who has to dial it back, in my opinion. I feel like if they get if they get Steph or Poole in a one-on-one, they generally generate good offense, yeah. whether it's out of a pick and roll yeah. or a dribble handoff or whatever it may be. Get one of them. Memphis doesn't have anyone who can guard those guys one-on-one. No. They have guys who can bump them off ball and kind of deny them a little bit. But, like, once the ball's in Steph's hands, I like the Warriors' chance of generating good look. And too often, it, everything's turning into, like, clay hijacking. And so that's where I'm also, like, Steve Kirk can probably do a better job of making life easy for his players by kind of drilling that in instead of letting them figuring it out on their own. Because you know yeah, that's what because, he's doing. Yeah. yeah, because it's like, I mean, you can't tell clay not to do that but you can make it easier so that if you're running an motion offense ball goes to clay's chucking it like just have that not happen right have him kind of sit like that game winning shot he hit in game one was coming off a screen pump fake open three money like that thing's going down 80 no it was coming after timeout so it was like but it's like it's going down 80 percent of the time you know why because it's freaking open set shot like that's it i'm also of the mindset where if clay has his feet set and he's open if he misses yeah, I, it's so be it. You know, like you've done your job as a coach generating a very high quality look. But it's it's the it's the like going down the stretch. It's Clay coming down and and he's shooting 18 foot contested one on three. Like what the hell is? And then you've got uh, Steph Curry kind of dribbling, turning the ball over. And then it's just like I, I think I think, though, that, that looks a lot different in game three just because you're at home and just because you don't expect those guys to just miss that many shots. I mean, just it's just so many shots that they missed that were Steph had a shot where he hit the side of the backboard with three yeah. minutes left. It's just like 
and it's straight away. Like, what is like, some of yeah. that stuff? You're just like, no, some of it's, it's just not some, sustainable. Some of it is is exactly what you're saying, where it's like just you know they they replay those shots a hundred times and you sp- score more points out of them. Like yeah, Steph's yeah. just not that bad a shooter. Um, this well, was although we although we did this although we did say that all season and he was yeah. he was <laughs> anyway all right. per per instat tracking John Morant was forced to defend a mere four possessions as an on ball defender in pick and roll situations during game two and wasn't forced to defend a single isolation possession wait in the entire game correct oh my god I thought you were gonna say in crunch time you're saying in the entire game he guarded four times wow Correct. And zero in isolation. Now, to be fair to the stat, the Warriors don't run a lot of pick and rolls or ISOs. So it's not like uh, they were ISOing on Jaron Jackson, like which would just be dumb, right? Because he's probably one of their better defenders. They just weren't doing it. But I'm sitting here, and this has been a point I've seen reiterated on other shows. Um, not you guys should have listened to me. You should only listen to Lightyear. It's a point I've seen made. And you juxtapose it to if you watch the Phoenix Suns play game two, where Mm -hmm. literally every possession was, let's get Luca, let's get, let's pick on Luca over and over again. And it worked for them. Do the Warriors need to? I mean, I feel like we do this every year in the playoffs, every time (laughs) they're in the playoffs. Is it time to scrap the offense and be a little more direct? I mean, now, now I know we're back because this is, this is, We've recorded this pod after a game two loss probably a hundred times. I was gonna fucking say people are people are hitting us on Twitter like like you see this? I'm like, yeah, fucking Sam and I talk about this every year. We did this when KD was on the team and they were playing Houston. We did this three times. We did this in 2014-15. We did this in 15-16. I might ask him to just like chop up an episode from a 2015 playoff run and throw it in here. (laughs) Now, you know, our listener base has grown 10x since then. So maybe the other ones haven't heard it yet. But yes, I mean, you and I always say it's not don't do that all game long. Like nobody's saying run the Luca and and um, the James and Harden offense, the James Harden offense. Don't run it all. No, nobody's saying that. But you can't you cannot bail John Morant out like that, who is an incredible basketball player. But you have to attack. He is horrific defensively, like so many young guards are. You have to attack them. Now, the problem is that they, the, the, the Suns can run that offense, and it's great because they can five out. Um, and they have an elite finisher in Aiton. The Warriors do that with Draymond Green is different, right? Because teams are just going to say, well, we're just going to leave Draymond Green wide open. Yeah, but Jared, at least Jared's yeah. going to be uh, de facto go. guarding him while standing right. under the rim. Right. But we'll live with that, right? We'll live with that because at least you can have Draymond get the ball on a four on three, or you can have Draymond get the ball and do a dribble handoff screen with Jordan Poole and have Jordan Poole create. All of a sudden you have a two on one on the other side, right? Like it's not, this isn't fucking genius basketball we're talking about here. This is just, this is just going after weak defensive players and the Grizzlies have some attack them. And by the way, at the end of that game too, Jaron Jackson was fouled out for the last five minutes of the game. Like he wasn't even there, right? So yeah. it's not like the Warriors could have done this. So you know, I, you agree? Like it's just, it's. I do. It's I just, do agree. Yeah. I think they're putting the Draymond questions interesting, and I'll get to that later. But the other reason you need to attack Jaw is tire him out, man. He played forty-one minutes. He looked fresh at the end of the game. Part of that's because he's like I don't know, eighteen years old or something. You know, he's you know he's twenty-two, twenty-three. He's young. Obviously, he's got athleticism. He can do it. But those that stuff matters. 
your legs are a little more tired. You might miss yes. one or two of those acrobatic layups that he makes. Th those little margins are the difference. So you got to find ways to attack him. It doesn't need to be straight ISO, but find ways to involve him in the action. Yeah. Whoever yeah. his man is, have that guy be who the ball is going to. They did it with Nikola Jokic. Like, it's not like they haven't done it. We're not asking him to recreate the wheel. It's just, I, I think they sometimes have, and this Steph is, has, he has a hand at this. They just sometimes have this, their default is to just running what they want to run rather than running something that can attack the other team's worst defender, right? Like, they don't really do that until it's absolutely necessary. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. They were up 1-0 in the series. So they were, of course, going to do it this way until they get hit in the face. That's what the Warriors always do. Like, I, I bet you they start doing this now, or maybe they wait till they're down 2-1. Like, it, wouldn't it be so Warriors for them to start doing this when they're down 2-1? Like, they lose Saturday night, and then they come out game four. They went by 20 because they're just attacking to everything. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. It, it just wouldn't. That's how this team operates. No, and for me, that makes me worry because this isn't <laughs> the previous. Like, I, I just. You're not good enough. They're not good enough to do that. Every extra game is an opportunity for some, something bad to happen. For another, you know. Obviously, they lost GP2, and that's awful. But, like, you don't need to elongate series and needlessly stretch them out. Good for the content, bad for the bad for the team, you know? But it's okay. Andy and I are creative enough to come up with content if they if they get this done in five and we got a pod for a week without games. Yeah, only we'll be, we'll five. What will we do? What will yeah. we do? And like, <laughs> watching these two games, I mean, just kind of happened that – wouldn't you say the Warriors are a better team? Watching those yeah, two games? actually, if anything, right. the fact that they didn't go up 2-0 is infuriating because they let Memphis back into the series. They should have beaten them both times in Memphis, and now we're talking about a sweep. We're talking about a legitimate sweep. And now it's 1-1, and all Memphis has to do is win one in San Francisco, and all of a sudden we are Game in on. for a long series. I mean, it's Game on. It, you can't give away games like that Especially, especially when you're the team that is the championship that has a championship experience. That that's the frustrating part. 14-15, you do that, fine. The Warriors have never won. Fine. That makes sense. But like this team, and that's where my frustration with Steph and Draymond was with and, and Clay with that game is like, dude, you guys are champions. Like we just watched the Phoenix Suns last night, and that was a close game. I mean, it was like a six-point game coming into the fourth quarter. And the Phoenix just said, Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> we're going to win this by 28 points. I mean, it's just, that's who we are now. You know, Memphis is better than Dallas. Right. But still like that's, that's the frustrating part with the Warriors is that you and I, I mean, at least me more so than you, Sam, I feel like, I feel like they have the experience in the championship um, blood to do that. And they just, they haven't shown it. They just, they just have it. And you know, I don't, we'll see. Maybe they win the next two. It feels like, it feels like we're going to a six, seven game series though. It, it just feels that way. Yeah, giving away game two makes me feel like this is going at least six. This yeah. is kind of what my pre-series prediction was. I said it in our post-game show. Isn't it so funny? It's like, if you told me before the series started, they go 1-1 in Memphis, I'll be like, I like it. But watching the way in which it happened, I'm like, they just needlessly elongated a series. They could have absolutely, because if they're up 2-0, they get the crowd super hot. They probably go up 3-0, and now we're looking at a situation like your worst case is a repeat of Denver, where you throw away a game at the end there. Yeah. Um, now it's now it's series on. Um, before we get out of here, I want 
I, I will say, I will say before, I will say though that the one thing is like shooting cures all. I mean, I we saw the the seven years ago when when the Warriors couldn't shoot for three games, all of a sudden they sh- they could shoot for three games and they won the next three, right? Like it was very just very straightforward. Like the hey, the Warriors are just way better and, and they just shoot better and they won. So like I think there's something to be said in this series where it's the Warriors shooting and and frankly to me playing very poorly and they've been in every single game, right? And we can argue whether they should have won both or lost both. But Sam, they're just shooting really, really poorly. And then Memphis, you've got a team that's just not that great of a shooting team, just overall, and I think that's sustainable. So, yeah, we'll see games three and four, but the Warriors, really, all they have to do, we're talking about all this, but all they have to do is just shoot better from three. That is it. That is all. And we're talking about Steph, Clay, and Poole, who are the three best shooters Right, that you'll, you'll get in any team. They're the three. They're the best three so shooting trio that you've got in the NBA. Good as best. you're gonna get. Yep. You know, maybe maybe yep. maybe Brooklyn or someone can match it shot making wise, but like sure. no one's no, no one's one. beating that. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on some of the other series. Um, do, you think Phoenix, do you think Dallas can even get back into that series? No, Phoenix is a machine. They're like the Spurs. I mean, they they remind me of the beautiful game Spurs, don't they? They're not. They're, they might lose a game. Maybe maybe Dinwiddie and, and Brunson show up at some point this series. Maybe they they win a game four, but this thing's over. They are a machine. I'm not willing to go there, but it does feel like Phoenix should wax them in five. Um, five. Yep. I think the most interesting series outside of the Warriors and uh, the Grizzlies, which I think is probably the best series to like the non to the casual fan, is the Boston Celtics yep. Milwaukee Bucks one one. Where are you at in that series? Yeah, I mean the other two series are over, right? I mean the sun, the Suns and the Heat are advancing. Um, yeah, it's wow. gonna take something weird to happen for those series to reopen up. Yeah, Boston Milwaukee is is fascinating to me because Game One showed me that Giannis is the best player in the world. Uh, he's got some LeBron in him where he's just that great of a passer. Game two showed me that Boston's got the best defense in the world, right? And, and if they can get if they can get shot making, which I yeah, think you really saw the you, you saw the lack of Middleton in game two. I'll yep. put it that way. Yeah. Yep. So I I don't know I don't know where that series goes, man. I, I I truly don't like. Do we believe more in game one or game two? Like I. Do you think which one is more real? Do you think because I can make an argument that either one is real? I think they're both real, and I think that takes me down to my pre-series prediction. This is going seven. I think these teams are very evenly matched. Giannis is by far the best player in the series, and he can bend a defense. 
he bends a defense interior wise, the way Steph bends it on the perimeter. Like he just, and game one dudes hit shots around him game two dudes did not hit shots around him. And I mean, he didn't hit shots either. Yeah. He didn't hit shots either, but he put up 28. I mean, he was inefficient, which is really rare for Giannis. But the thing that was telling for me, you know, his teammates shot from three point land. Nope. What? Two for 14. I don't know what like. I don't like. I don't know what's what's worse, the fact that they only made two out of 14 or they only took 14. Like Boston was just like Boston was like because they do have shooters, maybe not the greatest shooters, but guys like Grayson, um, Brooke Lopez, Pat Con, like they get shots up. Drew gets shots up. They didn't even take any threes. That and that was Boston just being like, we'll take our chances on Giannis and we're just not going to let anyone else shoot the ball. Basically, I thought they flew around really impressive um for reference in game one the the supporting cast was 12 for 32 so literally they took less than half as many shots from three-point land that's uh, 14 14 threes in today's today's climate sam come on yeah and i'm not counting Giannis. Giannis took four so technically they took 18 but 18 as a team that's some like 2012 stuff you know like 30 is kind of what you expect is like the starting point for teams to take from three of these days, even in the playoffs, 30 is kind of where they are. So I think they're going seven. I think, I think no Middleton hurts. I would feel very confident about Milwaukee without uh, if they had Middleton, even though he's been up and down this year, but with him gone, I mean, it's just kind of like, it does Giannis have three more game ones in him. Probably. I don't know if the supporting guys do. And then, you know, on the Boston side, it's like, okay, you probably, you have four of the six best players in the series. You know, Giannis and Drew are obviously two of the better players, but everyone else is on Boston's side. Is better. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this. I Boston feels like it's always the stepping stone for greats. Um, <laughs> you know, you got Kobe, you got LeBron's game six. MJ, you know, that was before my time, but, you know, MJ. But, you know, you, you've always got like, okay, you got to go through Boston. And these guys always go through Boston and they always do. They always win. And uh, it feels like with Giannis, who's in his prime, uh, if it's a game seven, you know, I'm taking I'm taking Giannis and the Bucks, right? And, and maybe Middleton makes a miracle uh, appearance there. But I just, it feels like, that it's going to come down to that. That's like, hey, Giannis, you want to be an all-time great? Go through Boston and go through this defense. Without and, uh, your yeah, number two. Yeah. Without your number two. It would be crazy. I mean, it's a lot of uh, Grayson Allen and Connaughton and, and Drew. And I've never seen Drew dribble that much, you know, so it's... Bobby Portis is... A lot of Bobby P. I mean, he's, he's like one of the most re- reliable players, which is wild. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, man. I think I, I'm with you with seven. I I think the Bucks win. It would be it would be a crazy thing if the if if the Bucks win that series in seven because Boston does seem like they just they just have so many more good players than, than Milwaukee. But that's why you have an all time great. You know, maybe if you're Steve Kerr, maybe you rely on your all time great. You know, maybe if you, you know, put the ball in his hands, you know, whatever, it might work. All right, we're gonna be back. We'll be potting after Game Three. Appreciate you guys.